The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Russia is just over a year into what was meant to be a short-lived special military operation in Ukraine. But what are the pervading attitudes among ordinary Russian citizens when it comes to the war, uh, to Putin and to the West as a whole? Is this really Putin's war or is it Russia's war? Jade McGlynn is Leverhulme Early Career Postdoctoral Fellow in the War Studies Department at King's College London and author of a book called Russia's War. And she joins me now. Jade McGlynn, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Um, Your book is a a very scholarly and very deep dive into Russian attitudes to the war and how they are fashioned. But it's interesting, even in your prologue, uh, you talk about that uh, Russians, many of them, maybe most of them, believe that the atrocities in Mariupol, for example, were committed not by their own forces, but by Zelensky and his Western allies. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I think the important element here is that, of course, it's both Putin's war and Russia's war. And the purpose of the book is to try to break away from the binary where we say, oh, this is all just Putin's fault because that's far too simplistic. But also, I don't want in any way to demonize Russians. There are many incredibly brave, courageous Russians who've stood up against the war. And actually, as in any country, the situation's far more complicated than just everybody's bad or everybody's good, but they're terrified. Now, do you think that if Russian citizens had access to Western media so they could compare the version of the war given to them by their own media... Uh, state media in the main, but even other media where they exist would be fed by the state apparatus in terms of uh, the availability of pictures and all the rest of it. Do you think that Russians would think any different about it if they had an alternative view to compare with the, the one they're fed? No, because that's not really how it works in in terms of a 21st century sort of authoritarian state as opposed to maybe the, the Soviet Union. The issue is that a lot of people believe that there really is no truth. And the whole point of the Russian propaganda machine isn't to convince them necessarily of X or Y view, but to say, who knows? There is no real truth. There's nothing that we can really be certain of. Everybody's manipulating you. Even we're manipulating you. And you don't really know. So what do you have then? You think, well, all I know is that I'm, if in their case, in the audience's case, all I know is I'm Russian. I have one country, so I might as well just stick with my own. Um, the, the propaganda apparatus of the state is um, phenomenal, it would seem. But you, you quote in one case uh, the mayor of a particular area of Russia who uh, points to the war graves of um, people who were uh, killed by Stalin, and uh, not war graves, but it is claimed by this guy that they're the graves of POWs uh, uh, Russian POWs killed Mm -hmm. by the Nazis rather than Stalin's victims. Yes. That's quite extraordinary. It's breathtaking. It really is just this rewriting where they sort of turn their own victim, uh, the government's own victims, uh, obviously Stalin's own victims in this case, into the victims of of somebody else and and use them as a way to not only not come to terms with... um, 
there with the predecessors of the Russian state's past, but also as a way to sort of actually move into much more comfortable territory, which is of course um, blaming blaming the Nazi regime. Though I would also add as well that I mean this case it has been quite well it was quite well covered because it's been going on for a few years now, and I think this is where it comes back almost a bit to the answer in the other question because. It's almost what truth do you want to believe? And I don't think that Russians are unique um, in this case. I think we can probably think of many, I can certainly as a, as a British person, think of many examples closer to home. And that's an important point because, you know, Russians, they do have access to Telegram, even without a VPN, and 40 million Russians use that. And you can, it's completely uncensored. Now, where does the uh, Russian view that this is a fight against the Nazis come from? Mm -hmm. It actually comes from 2014 and it's um, odd because that's, I lived in Moscow in 2014 and that's why I even went into academia because I was so fascinated by the construction of this narrative and how detailed it was and um, about the idea of Ukrainian Nazi collaborators and how they had they were resurgent, and it was almost as if they were trying to relive the what they call the Great Patriotic War, so the Soviet war against Nazi Germany. And so it's always been there since 2014. It was incredibly, incredibly intensive, and actually it was almost too intensive because then the people, then the audiences, and go and and throughout the country, really started to expect that um, in 2014 that Putin would go all the way, you know, that he would then annex Donbass like he did Crimea and they didn't want to do that at that time. And so they sort of toned it down. But of course, it all ramped up again um, around February 2022. And, um, you know, if you if you watch the news, it's it's incredible. It's not as blunt all the time as just, oh, Ukrainians are Nazis, which is kind of, I think, how sometimes it's reported. It's very detailed. It's stories of somebody's grandparent, you know, who fought and and liberated these people who were tortured by these evil Ukrainian Nazi collaborators and now their grandson has stepped back into their shoes and is refighting the same villains is incredibly emotionally powerful uh, even though it is clearly erroneous um, sure the, 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 the Zelensky that we see in uh, coverage in the west they the Russians would not recognize that Zelensky at all no, they wouldn't. And I find this really fascinating. This was one of the areas where I felt like the break with reality was was really um, perhaps most marked, um, both in my interviews, but also in the sort of the large scale analysis that I did of, of the media and of Telegram. Because you, the idea of Zelensky as a hero, as somebody who's independent, who stood their ground, even, you know, that sort of begrudging respect that one might have for somebody they dislike, but who did something brave. There's none of that. They just think he's a puppet. And one of my interviewees, I sort of explained, well, you know, Zelensky is very popular in Britain. And they said, yes, that's true. But I know you'd shoot him if you needed to. <laughs> I thought, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, <laughs> but, yeah. you quote uh, from uh, a team of Russian sociologists who've been collecting mm -hmm. in-depth interviews with Russians and uh, tried to group respondents who are supportive of the war into five categories. One is the state propaganda audiences, the people who believe everything they see on state media. Then uh, those who are supporters of the Russian world. They have nationalist and imperialist sympathies. And uh, then there's the group that believe uh, that, you know, there's a threat from NATO pushing its way east. There are those then who are personally connected with the Donbass. And then uh, there are people who don't really think very much about politics uh, and are overwhelmed by conflicting narratives. So they acquiesce to the war. Mm -hmm. It's uh, uh, now, they're the people who support the war. What's left? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for me, the easier way using the using that research and then sort of combining it with my own field work on these matters and my own research, I understand it more as the sense of, so you have, of course, your active opposition, but in general, some of them are in prison, most of them have left, obviously, a lot of them are frightened. And a big effort has been put into making those who are still opposed just apathetic. So what is the point? You know, my children might be taken away from me, all of these dreadful things that, that could happen, that of course, are going to render people apathetic and and they'll think it's pointless then you have the group that's my country right or wrong that you sort of reference there um you know often the the western sanctions and the western attitudes towards russia that can be sort of used by the kremlin um to 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 reinforce those attitudes and then you have people who are ritual supporters so they support but they kind of support it a lot either because they have some um, because they support the Russian world, the sort of a lot of the groups that you already referenced, or just because they like the government, because Putin is incredibly popular. Mm. And then you have the final group, who are the real sort of people like Vladimir Tatarsky, who was killed yesterday, who are the real supporters. They don't support it because of the government, they support it anyway. And what's interesting is that some of those people have been arrested too, because the government doesn't want people who are really active supporters, because those people are uncontrollable, and they might get annoyed if you don't do things how they Mm -hmm. want or how they think it should be done. And so the government doesn't like active opposition the most, of course, but it also doesn't like active supporters. And that's something important to to try to sort of remember about attitude. How then should we uh, react to ordinary Russians, uh, many of whom live and work in in the West? Uh, Many of them are sports people who want to compete at Wimbledon or the Olympics or wherever else. If this is truly the Russian people's war, uh, should they be made international pariahs too? I don't think that ordinary Russians should be made international pariahs at all. I think that Russians who have connections with official institutions, I don't think that they should be welcome. And it's not about making them pariahs, but it's just more about thinking, you know, do we want to have connections um, with them? And that's that I think it should be focused on the official institutions and people who have links with them. So, for example, it's quite common in academia to allow scholars to come and present, but we don't include their universities on the on their list they're not allowed to have an affiliation they just present as an individual and i think there's something symbolic in that that i can support but i don't agree with for example the decision not to um you know the the calls for sort of total visa bans on russians i think especially if young russian men want to leave and don't not fight ukraine yeah. That seems like a good idea to me. <laughs> well, it's a fasc- it's a fascinating book, and uh, anything in the book is well referenced, so you can follow up on all of your writing. Jade, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Jade McGlynn, who is the author of Russia's War, the Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance, weekdays at nine a.m. on News Talk.